Welcome to JCB Art Studio. Gosh, episode 98, season four. This is pretty cool. Pretty cool. My name is Joanna. I am the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child. And today I have authors Sarah and Stephen joining us. Sarah, she started writing at an early age. Uh, first scribbling pages of notes while pretending to be a journalist. And this is before she could print, which I think is absolutely adorable. After mastering the the alphabet, she moved into poetry and short stories. Following a few successes in grade school, a regional poetry prize, and in university, a short story published in in an anthology. She traded creative trips Tales for Corporate Ones, and it was a few years ago she rediscovered her love of words and resumed creative writing. Sarah is a graduate of the Writer's Studio Creative Writing Program at Simon Fraser University, and I will be asking her about that, and she is a co-host of the Clued in Mystery Podcast, and I'm going to be asking her about that. (laughs) So Sarah tries to balance working, parenting, and writing while leaving a bit of time for baking and running. Sarah, welcome. It's good to talk to a human. (laughs) Thank you so much, Joanna. It's it's really great to meet you. Good. And I have underlined here baking and running because that's the same with me. Um, I don't know about you, but I religiously watch the Great British Baking Show. And I've now added to it that every time I see Paul Hollywood, and I think it's a crew taste testing cake, I always make sure I have a dessert with me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's driving me nuts, (laughs) right? And uh, I do, I, I like running. I'm not, I have done a half marathon, but I haven't done twice in my life. And, um, but I do it more for stress and more just, that feeling of freedom when you're running. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it definitely it's a, a feeling feeling of free, freedom. Um I run along the uh False Creek seawall and there's no traffic to worry about. It's just, you know, other people. Yeah. Uh maybe geese. Yes. Um and yeah, it's it's a place I find I can just kind of get lost in either listening to an audiobook or a podcast or listening to nothing and just kind of letting my thoughts do what they will. And sometimes I come up with, you know, oh, this is going to work for the book. Or if there's something that I need to work out, sometimes I'll, I'll go for a run and see if that, see if that helps. Cool. Cool. Okay. So you mentioned listening to podcasts. You co-host the Clued In Mystery Podcast. And I was just wondering, do you feel that more writers are getting into hosting or co-hosting their own podcasts? So this is a this is a really good question, and I, I have no idea. I know there are lots of um, lots of writers who are podcasting. I think it's a really, for me, it's been uh, an interesting way to connect with some other people who are like me, who are you know who are also writing and and who are fans of of mystery. So that's the the premise of the podcast is that. Um, my co-host and I, uh, Brooke Peterson, and I, we just talk about mystery. And, you know, we've been kind of exploring different subgenres in mystery. And and 
I've been treating it very much as an opportunity to learn more about different kinds of mysteries and the origins and, and, you know, some of the early pioneers, it's been, it's been lots of fun to, to explore that. And every now and again, we invite someone to come on and, uh, you know, teach us a little bit more, share, share kind of their expertise in, in a particular space that, that we're unfamiliar with. So yeah, it's been lots of fun. Good, good. It is. It, and I find I learn I learned from other authors too, by interviewing them. You know, so and and it's just neat hearing everyone's stories, and I find um, not feeling so alone. That you know, you may feel that you have um, an issue you need to resolve in your book, and then hearing other authors feeling the same way, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, so so let's talk about your series. Um, you're writing a series. I think it's new. I think it's an original idea. So can you explain to our listeners the premise of your historical mystery series, the Journal Through Time series? Absolutely. So, yeah, so the premise is there's um, two timelines, uh, uh, Victoria, pardon me, Vancouver in um, the late 19th century and Vancouver in, in present day. So present day, there's an archivist who discovers the journal that was kept by a detective in the police force in Vancouver in its in its early days. And she slowly realizes that they can communicate through his journal. And then they end up, um, you know, kind of figuring out what that means. And uh, she helps him with his with his cases. That's neat. That's so neat. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So we're going to talk about book two of that series. It's out now, right? It's just come out now. It hasn't it? Uh, yeah. So uh, it came out uh, mid-August, 16th okay. of August. Yeah. Okay. And that's The Hanging at the Hollow Tree. What What is what is that about? I know authors hate that question. You know, you write a, what, an 80,000 word book and someone says, okay, summarize this for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, as you say, it's the second book in the series. Um, and it opens with, uh, a body being found near the hollow tree in Stanley park, which is, uh, you know, a large urban park in Vancouver. Um, and, uh, as uh, detective Jack Winston is investigating it, he realizes that this man's business is perhaps not, uh, not everything is, is as it seems, um, and, and, you know, uncovers, um, some uh, suspicious activity as part of that. In Riley's time, uh, her mother has gotten herself involved in something that may be a little bit suspicious. And so she's trying to, you know, help Jack with his case and, and help her mom and, and uh, kind of figure out uh, what to do to help, to help both of them. And then she's dealing with her sister too. <laughs> and her sister's getting married. That's right. Yeah. Just to add another, another little layer of, of, uh, of things for her to be dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the inspiration for that journal? So I think, I mean, you know, when I think about myself and, and, uh, I've always loved the idea of being able to maybe not, um, travel back in time, but somehow connect with the past. And, uh, the, the inspiration for the story came, uh, in a a writing class that I took 
So I signed up for an intro to fiction course, you know, it was four Saturdays or something. And um, one of the uh, activities that we did was, you know, just come up with a, come up with a, a storyline. Uh, and so I did it as part of a what if exercise and, and um, yeah, that was the, that was really the germ of it was, was, okay, what if I found, you know, I was thinking, I guess for me, what, what if I found something where I could communicate with someone else yeah. through, through a book? That is um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that is cool, right? Because there are two entries in that journal, isn't there? Yeah. So they're, they're both, um, they're writing to each other in yeah. this, in this journal um, and, uh, you know, developing uh, friendship and, and relationship with each other, but, you know, as pen pals through time, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. And then, of course, it always makes the reader wondering as you're talking, I'm thinking, Will your two characters ever meet? Right, like that's the that. oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, what made you decide to locate this series in Vancouver? Um, I I love the cities. I love Vancouver. I love that it's located there. I love reading about Stanley Park. Um, just I, I love it that it's local. So why why Vancouver? Uh, well, I mean, the easy answer is that I'm based in Vancouver and it's, yeah. you know, the, the right, what, you know, right, yeah. right where you are. Um, there's, you know, if I, there's not a ton set in Vancouver, like there's lots of books set in London or, yeah. uh, you know, in the U S there's, there's not a lot set in Vancouver. And so I thought, okay, well, I, you know, why don't I, why don't I see what I can do? And there's, there's lots of, um, mysteries here, right? Um, I don't know if this will ever make it into the book, but, uh, I think you guys probably had this happening as well, but, you know, every now and again, feet wash up on the, on the, on the beaches. Right. Yeah. And there's, where did, where did those come from? Yeah. Um, and, uh, part of, yeah, it just, you know, th there are some unsolved stories, um, here and, and just, I think there's a, there's some. There's some grit and grime in this city, despite its beautiful surroundings, yeah. right? So I think there's a lot of things to explore. My my stories aren't particularly gritty or grimy, yeah. but there's you know some um, some interesting things to explore here. Yeah, definitely. And just so our listeners understand, Sarah really did say feet. Honestly, I haven't heard in the news lately, like it's been very, I haven't heard anything lately. No, but, me neither. But for a while there, you would hear on the news that another foot, like, a, and I'm, I'm talking a human foot, had washed up on the, on the shores. And all of us are just like, ugh. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah something's weird. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I have listeners from the UK, Australia, the US. And can you explain the hollow tree in Stanley Park? Because it's a it's a tourist attraction, isn't it? It is. I, I think it's one of the more popular tourist attractions in the city. Uh, so Stanley Park itself is is definitely a, a tourist attraction. You can, you know, ride your bike around the um 
around the seawall. Um, but the hollow tree is, uh, it's seven or 800 years old and it's the stump of a red cedar, I believe, uh, that has, you know, seen a lot, I think. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of the, one of the stops that the hop on hop off tour buses would, uh, would make. There's lots of photos, I'm sure you know, many visitors have taken photos of themselves in the hollow of the tree and certainly looking in, you know, the archives of the city, there are photos of um, vehicles. There's, you know, one of an elephant in the, in the hollow of the tree. Like, you know, it's, it's just this, I think, uh, you know, maybe for people, a connection to the past, right. Recognizing that it's so old um, and it has, you know, withstood time um and it's a really beloved place so it was damaged um there were a couple of fires in the early like 2010s and there was a lot of work done to restore it so if you go now you can see these metal braces that have been put up inside the tree to um to keep it to keep it standing yeah cool okay that is so cool like you said the history with this tree and that's where something happens <laughs> right yeah now riley is your protagonist in the present and detective jack winston is in the past can you tell our listeners a little bit about those two sure so uh riley is uh relatively new to her career she's working as an archivist in um in a museum i don't it's a, a fictional version of you know a couple of museums here in Vancouver, um, and uh, yeah, she's really just trying to figure herself out. She's you know in her in her in her early twenties, mid twenties, uh, and Jack is he like Riley is new to being a detective. He's a little bit older than Riley. He has some family connections that he doesn't really want to talk about um you know his family's pretty wealthy but he wants to really uh be his own person um and so he's moved from toronto to vancouver as so many people did uh at that time right there was this the this the population of vancouver really um really exploded uh with the with the railway coming here it really you know afforded people the opportunity to to come and and it was you know the the west right yeah. sort of connection to um uh gold mining and and yeah. other other resources and and uh, yeah so anyway jack is um really settling into uh establishing his own life in in vancouver cool 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 okay now the research for this novel and we 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 need to discuss the research uh because it is really, it's neat. It is so neat to read about Vancouver back in that time. Now, when you were writing, um, like sometimes what I'll do is I'll write, I'll do some research, I'll put that research, what I found, right into the story and just keep on going. Other times I will write, I'll, 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 I'll put a note to myself, uh, check further for research with, with respect to this scene. Um, because, you know, it's what 
got me was back in that time, doctors also acted as coroners, right? So, so what, what, how, talk to me about the research. How did you go about all that? Um, yeah, so uh, a little bit of, of both of, of the, the methods that you described. So I will, there's some excellent resources provided by the Vancouver, uh, City Vancouver Archives. Uh, so the first city archivist has pages and pages of notes of interviews that he did with uh, early residents of the city. And so I'll read through those. Um, and that's actually where one of the characters in the hollow tree that Jack encounters is um, he's planting uh, acorns, I think, in uh, in in Stanley Park. And that was based on just it was like two sentences that were in um, in this archivist's notes that I thought, oh, what an interesting. What an interesting person that, you know, he's he's been um, recorded and 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 documented. So. Um, I'll, I'll include him in my, in my story. So that, you know, the whole story isn't, isn't built around him, but I wanted to have a scene with him. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that was when I set out to write this book, that was something that I I wanted to do was include a reference to him, but I'll, I will read through the archivist notes and, and kind of pick out little pieces of, of the city's history that I think are really interesting that I want to, um, want to incorporate. But yeah, there's sometimes when I'm writing a scene and I'll say, well, I don't know if this is really what was happening. So just, you know, double, double check this. And I will admit that, you know, it's fiction. So there are some things that I've had to just say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to include this anyway, even though I either can't find something to, to back me up or I know it happened earlier, it happened later, but it fits in the story and, and, you know, um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Now, what got me with your detail, like with the research was the scene in the morgue, you know, and it's reading how during those times they artificially cooled the temperatures by Putting was it? It was large blocks of ice around the room. Yeah. So um, there were ice warehouses uh, in Railtown, which is sort of one of the one of the neighborhoods here in Vancouver, uh, and the ice came from the Fraser River. Yeah. Um, and uh, there were other industries that kind of popped up around around those, um, ice houses. So yeah, I just, you know, was like, okay, how can I, how can I keep the, the bodies cold? Well, of yeah. course they're going to use, they're going to use blocks of ice to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was neat. That was so neat. And, um, yeah, there's just, oh God, there was another scene in there when I'm just thinking about it when they're they're. <laughs> moving the body and it was just is it winston's holding the legs yeah of the corpse and it, i just thought it was so well done and the the pants rub against his cheek of the corpse oh <laughs> that was that was so good sarah I, was, I thought wow you know but that's that's how they would have had to have done things then. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I had to kind of think about, think about that, but, and it wasn't, uh, so I will admit I didn't do any physical research for that. I was, I haven't, um, 
you know, pulled, pulled a body from a tree or, yeah, or had, yeah. had a, <laughs> a corpse's clothes on my skin. Um, so that was, that was pure. Okay. What do I think this would feel like? Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So I'm wondering when you were writing, did you find yourself at all being challenged with the timeline and the investigation? Um, because you have a very good line uh, when we're in Riley's point of view. And she's messaging, right? Detective Jack Winston in the journal. And I, I think I put it down here. It's each word had the potential to alter history. Like So this is what Riley is thinking. Um, and in the novel, you address, like Jack and Riley, they're both concerned about how their actions will alter time. So did you find it challenging writing with that whole idea in, in, in the back of your mind? Yeah, so that is something I try and um, try and keep straight is how, you know, how will what they're writing to each other impact um, particularly how will that impact, um, Jack, but what have they written to each other? So when I'm drafting, <clears throat> pardon me, when I'm drafting, I, I just draft, I don't do a ton of planning before, yeah. before I write, I just, I just write. Uh, but after I've got that first draft, I go through and I create a spreadsheet that, you know, a summary kind of of each scene and a, sum, a, a copy of whatever I've had as the journal entries so that I can say, okay, this is what he knows at this point. This is what she knows at this point, because it won't work for her to be referring to something that he hasn't told her. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I have also a very good editor who makes sure that I'm not mixing any of that, any of that up. That's one of the things that we talk about is making sure that that's, um, that's accurate. But yeah, I, I think it's just letting the story flow and then going back and, and making sure that I've, I've got those, those pieces sorted out as I, as I revise. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm, I'm doing major revisions now and I am, <laughs> as you, like I was out walking the dogs yesterday morning and I just thought if I move this scene closer to the beginning, I thought it will make for a smoother read for the reader. You know, and I'm so when you have these journal entries, uh, when I was reading them, I thought, gosh, you know, I'm keeping in the present time you know, <laughs> and I'm moving stuff around. And as much as I'm a pantser, I'm starting to lean more towards. I think after that first draft is down and I'm doing my edits, I'm I'm getting more and more organized. I'm thinking about that spreadsheet. I, I used to swear a spreadsheet will, will kill my creativity, right? But man, to keep things straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like a spreadsheet, so yeah. I'm I'm happy to um to use that for for tracking. I know there's lots of tools out there. I haven't found one that works as well for me yeah. as as just a spreadsheet, right? I can add a column, I can move things around. It's um yeah. And I think if I was, even if I was writing something that was entirely in present day, I probably would use a spreadsheet just even for that summary of, you know, who said, who knows what, yeah. right. Um, to keep that straight. 
And I find when the more you you type and you're typing about your story, other other ideas can generate. So okay, God, I'm going to be cracking into Excel. My God, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So keeping with an aspect of this series, time. Okay. And this was a question I thought of when I was walking the dogs, just thinking about your book, thinking about time, thinking about conversations I've had with other authors, thinking about your corporate career. Do you believe that we now live in a time when people are reinventing themselves? Um, I worked in the prosecutor's office. I wrote as a child and as a teenager. And then just like you, whether it's be being an adult, I embarked on a career, not in the cor- corporate world, but I, like I said, I worked in the prosecutor's office. So do you believe that there is a time that is right when we switch our objective, you know, and, and we, we, we go that different path? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, um, I think there's a couple of things. So writing for me has always been something that has been, I don't know, I think this is true for a lot of people, right? That that sort of secret dream, secret passion. Uh, And when I look at journals that I wrote when I was younger, writing was always one of the themes, right? What do I want to do? I want to be a writer. And um, SFU used to have uh, like a one or two week summer writing residency. I think it was a precursor to the writer's studio program. Um, and I would see this and I would think about it and I would, okay, this isn't the right year for whatever reason, right? Yeah. Very easy to come up with an excuse. Why, why not to do that? Yeah. Right. And I, and I never did it. Um, but it was just always in the back of my mind. And then I took this fiction course, yeah. um, because my husband was taking, was uh, doing graduate studies and he was coming home and he was so excited about what he was learning and he was just so passionate. And I remember thinking, okay, well, why can't I do something that is going to fulfill me the way that, that he is, is being fulfilled. And I kind of realized it, I have to take that step. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I signed up for this fiction course and the instructor said, you know, we've got the writer's studio program. You should, uh, you know, all of you guys should think about think about applying and same thing with that with their writer you know summer writer retreat uh, I don't know if I want to do it it's you know it sounds like a lot of work and you know am I am I do I belong there yeah. right um and uh my husband was like just apply right see yeah. what happens and um and I did and I and I got into it um and I ended up um getting pregnant during that year at the writer's studio. So I had my son and and didn't really do very much writing, thought about a lot of writing while he was really young. And it was when he was three or four that I was like, okay, it is time now. And I am going to do this and I'm going to do it seriously. And I think it was a function of, you know, having gone through the writer's studio, um, being a little bit older, right. And becoming a parent and, and kind of saying, okay, what, what do I want to be able to say? What do I want to show to him? Right. Do things that make you happy. And, 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 um, and you have to, you have to do that for yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and, you know, I'm still working. I, I would love to be, uh, writing full time, but that's, you know, that's not what's happening right now. 
Vancouver is a very expensive city to live in. So I don't know if that will ever be uh, a reality for me as long as we're we're living here. Um, But, uh, you know, I've, I've managed to find a way to carve out time for writing and, you know, continue working and, and, and parenting and, and, you know, there's probably some things that aren't happening as much as I would like, but uh, I'm doing things that are making me really happy. That's important. That is so important. So important. Good, good. So I, it's interesting as you're talking because um, light bulbs are going off for me. I was, I had originally signed up for the information session for SFU's writer studio. Um, the information session on October, it was like early October. And then uh, I, I get their newsletter. And then I saw deadline to apply for the writer's studio. Okay. And I thought, oh, no, I'll just, I'll do the information session first. Okay. See you anyhow. And then I saw the deadline was extended a bit. And I thought, mm, maybe I should apply. No, 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 no. Just wait for the information session. And I had just heard so much. I have interviewed a number of authors who have gone through the studio. And then the, it got, it, they held it over for one more week, the deadline to apply. And it was that third time they held it over. And I just thought, you're doing it. <laughs> you are doing it. So I applied and I got accepted. Okay. So I'm wondering, okay, um, it starts this month. Can you tell me about your experience and how, how, has, it, has, it, how has it changed your writing? So I thought it was, uh, it was terrific. You know, it's a combination of, uh, sessions about craft and, and the book business, uh, and workshopping other people's writing, which I think is a really valuable skill to gain. Um, and having your own workshop, your own writing workshop, right. People providing you feedback, which is, you know, it's a little intimidating to have, have these people, you know, telling, telling you what they think about the words that you've written. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was excellent. And it's, you know, everybody is, uh, who's there is is like you, they, they want to write, they love writing. Um, and you know, I thought the instructors were great and you get exposure to, um, different, uh, genres of writing. Okay. So, so when I was there, I was, um, put into the speculative fiction group. So I, I used, um, early, early draft of, um, my first book was what I used as my, um, application to the studio. And so I was put in the speculative fiction group, uh, and there was a real combination, you know, there were people who were writing really, um, like, uh, fantasy, uh, steampunk, uh, some, uh, horror kind of, um, fiction, uh, it was, yeah, a whole, a whole bunch of, so, so it was really interesting to read different writing styles and, and, um, uh, just kind of things that I didn't necessarily read very, very much of. Yeah. Uh, and then there were three other groups. There was one that was just general fiction, one that was creative nonfiction and one that was poetry. Uh, and even though we weren't workshopping, you know, or having expected to produce in those areas, we certainly got exposure to the instructors. And one of my favorite classes was the one where we did write a little bit of each of those, right? So wrote a poem, 
wrote um, uh, wrote a creative nonfiction piece, wrote just a piece of, of general fiction, and and uh, yeah, that was that was lots of fun to kind of work on all of those and, and um, do kind of mini workshops with other people who were um, also in the program, but not necessarily in in our group. Uh, so yeah, it was, and and then there's a whole whole section around kind of the book business. Yeah. Uh, and when I was there, it was all, the focus was primarily on traditional publishing. Yeah. There wasn't much about, there wasn't anything really about kind of doing it yourself. So I don't know if that's changed because I know there's been a real change in the book industry yeah. in the last five years. Um, although it's been more than five since I was at the writer's studio, but you know, I, I think they're, they're, um, I, I wonder if there's not going to be a little bit more talking about, okay, how do you, how do you carve out your own career? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. Sarah, is there anything you'd like to add and what's next? Uh, so what's next? Um, still, still working on this series. Book three is with the editor right now or with my editor right now. Um, been working on ideas around book four, uh, in this series, but I'm also, you know, I had kind of this burst of creativity in um, 2019, I think it was, where I just was writing all the time. And I drafted three or four manuscripts um, in about eight months. Oh, wow. Uh, and so I've got, I've still got those. And they're, they're in a different, um, totally different series, all present day. I think I was, I, I was feeling a little bit... Um, like I wanted some more freedom. Yeah. But there's there's some constraints when in in the series that I'm writing that I that I have to stick to, right? Yeah. So I wanted I wanted a little bit more freedom. So I started um just drafting in a, a totally different series. So I don't know what's gonna happen with that. Um and uh my my son has asked me to start writing a, a story for him. Oh. And so um yeah, so I've been, you know, spending a few minutes here and there working on uh, a children's story. Uh, I haven't placed kind of where it is in the, in the children's literature world. Cause there's, yeah. you know, some, some um, clear categories there, but uh, yeah, it's been fun to kind of do that and, and tell him kind of what was, what, what's happening. He helps name the characters and, and suggests things for them to do. So, you know, it, it may just be a story for us or yeah. you know, maybe, maybe I'll do something with that as well. So yeah, more writing. Um, lots of reading. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. That sounds excellent. Well, it has been a pleasure talk, chatting with you. And uh, I look forward to when the next book comes out, right? The third in the series. Yeah. And people, if you, you can find Sarah's podcast, um, her podcast is Clued in Mystery. And uh, I'll have links to everything. And uh, please subscribe. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you. It was, it was this is lots of fun. Oh, good. Okay. Bye-bye.